0: Two years ago, I read a book that blew my mind. It's called Marketing Rebellion. And all throughout that book, the author, Mark Schaefer, uh, wrote about these these ideas, concepts, these things that I was feeling uh, but but couldn't quite articulate. And he put them brilliantly. His ideas are valid in any market. They, They can be applied anywhere, but especially to what we do in hospitality. So today, I am thrilled to be sitting down with Mark. You do not want to miss this one. There's an old saying goes something like this you'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. My goal is to take complicated marketing concepts and make them both understandable and actionable. For me, it's all about helping you think differently about your business and giving you the tools you need to implement this stuff right away to move the needle in your business. You know what I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Today's episode is brought to you by BentoBox, a website, e-commerce, and marketing platform for restaurants. Over 6,000 restaurants worldwide rely on BentoBox to drive high margin revenue and connect with guests through their websites. These days, of course, you need a stylish website, but you also need one that can help drive revenue. BentoBox understands that because they are a platform created exclusively for restaurants. I've worked on the platform. I love to recommend this platform. Get started by visiting getbento.com slash restaurant strategy. Listeners of this show will receive 50% off their setup fee when they sign up by March 29th. Again, that's getbento.com/restaurantstrategy. slash restaurant strategy. I want to remind everybody out there as well that uh, the Patreon community is going strong. Patreon.com slash Restaurant Strategy. Go over, uh, become a member there. Uh, Even just $5 gets you access to our new private podcast called The Daily Special. New episodes are just five minutes long. They drop every weekday, Monday through Friday, uh, and they all revolve around a a certain topic. So if this show, Restaurant Strategy, is about big, high-level, kind of strategic thinking, uh, that is simply the flip side of the coin. It's about getting into the nitty-gritty, sharing the tips, tools, and tactics uh, that are really going to help you in your business. Again, patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Again, that link will be in the show notes as well. So my guest on today's show is Mark Schaefer. He is a marketing consultant, an educator, a noted public speaker, uh, best-selling author of like eight or nine different books. And and maybe we'll talk about uh, some of the others over the course of this conversation. But one in particular is is of interest to me, and it's called Marketing Rebellion. Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Welcome. Thanks, Chip. It's great to be with you. You are a marketer, meaning what? What is it you do? How do you explain to people what you do? Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: well, I do a lot. <laughs> but specifically, as you know, what a marketer does, I think a marketer helps create relevance at a person's point of need. And so there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. If you really think about it, uh, how how do you create relevance? How do you create meaning? How do you create emotion? How do you know there's a point of need that that means that there's got to be some connection? There's got to be some research. There's got there could be some R and D. Can you create need? So uh, marketing is a lot. It's a it's a really vast idea, and I think it's the most interesting part of business because it's it's the front lines of business with the customer
0: i uh i totally agree i love it because it's intersection with psychology and behavior and all of that um yeah I, i think it has so much to do with um uh, with with uh, again, carving out a need, either figuring out where's a need to be filled or where can we create need. Um, certainly, uh, the audience here are chefs and operators, restaurant owners, mm-hmm. uh, and they do this every single day um, in figuring out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what do people need?
1: Yeah, and, and of course, the, the best opportunities are created when there's a fracture in the status quo that's where marketing can really thrive. And if you think about the environment that we're in right now, uh, it's a fracture in the status quo. Now, this is a real, really debilitating time for many restaurants and chefs, but you also see some pretty innovative ideas out there. And and uh, great a great business occurs when you see unmet or underserved customer needs. And today there are so many unmet and underserved customer needs. One of the platforms that's creating a a lot of buzz right now, I think this is a great example, is is Clubhouse. So it's this quirky little place. It's sort of like talk radio and it's just exploding. But I think that if this would have happened a few years ago, it, it may not be the same. Why is it so popular now? First of all, it takes a lot of time to really be there because it's synchronous communication it's not recorded you can't go back and hear it later so it takes a lot of time to be present and there's a lot of people unemployed right now there's a lot of people with time on their hands But isn't that so interesting where so much of our life has
0: become asynchronous, right? We think about, you know, 20 years ago, you tuned in at, you know, uh, NBC at 8 o'clock to watch a show. Thursday night
1: to see your favorite show. Right.
0: Exactly. And now you can watch it whenever you want. You can watch it at whatever pace you want. And I think this is of particular interest, especially in restaurants. What you said just resonated with me because you
1: can't can't do it on your own time. You got to do it all together. So it's it's quirky. And, And the other thing is people are missing connection. They're missing human connection. They're hu- missing human conversations. And I was on a clubhouse room the other day where people were literally in tears, talking about their grief, talking about their loss. So this is an opportunity. It's a business that's flourishing in this fracture in the status quo. And for businesses, it's, it's hard. Uh, we're seeing lots of inventive new business models coming up. Uh, but there's lots of opportunities too. So then I'm going to use that to jump in and, and
0: talk about the book a little bit. Um, and I want to kind of start at the beginning and get to there because you spend a lot of time yeah. in the book. Uh, again, Marketing Rebellion is the name of the book, and you talk about these these basic human truths, and it, and it kind of builds yeah. on the work right, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and and you talk a mm-hmm. lot about the the things that really drive uh, behavior, that really drive um, consumer behavior. You know, things like love, yeah. belonging, meaning, respect. I want to get to that because that's really what you're talking about here. But I want to go back, um, and and if you can, um, set up the book for me a little bit here. So, again, it's called Marketing Rebellion, and in like 200 pages, um, at least when I read this, you seem to identify, I think, so many of the things that I was feeling but couldn't quite articulate. Um, yeah. And as you— How many people have said that? No, it's just, <laughs> but it just—but I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I read it, and I was just like, yes, 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 yeah. yes. And, and and you and you put it so uh, so beautifully page after page after page and it's so so easy to read and and um, I always love these books that do this where they're like you know I always say there's like um it's like a 360 degree experience where it shifts you 10 degrees, 10 degrees and 10 degrees and 10 degrees and 10 degrees and you come all the way back around and in the end, you're facing the same direction you were except you've got such better perspective because you went and looked at it all. That's very much what this book did for me. Oh, that's nice. But set up the book here because in the beginning, you talk
1: about something called the three marketing rebellions. Right. What are they? Explain that. Well, the, the point of this section is a, is a little history lesson to, to show that every time that companies or organizations have taken advantage of consumers they lose. And this is an important lesson because we are at another crossroads right now where much of marketing is uh, doing things that are un- unpopular, perhaps even unethical with consumers. So the first consumer rebellion occurred at the at really the dawn of marketing and advertising when advertising was uh, really these amazing, ridiculous promises, beyond promises, they were lies. This is the snake oil years. And the consumers said, look, you gotta stop doing that. And they wouldn't, and so it had to be regulated. And by the way, this all sounds a little familiar in terms of where, where we are today in the world. So that's how we got the FDA, that's how we got the FTC. The consumers rebelled now the next big rebellion was in the internet years because businesses used to make money on what people didn't know they made money on the secrets they were not transparent that's how you sold cars that's how you sold insurance that's how you sold vacation plans and the consumers rebelled and 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 information that was held so tightly in our companies and in our organizations and our governments trickled down and the power flowed to the people. And I, I was I remember, I mean, I was right in the middle of that. And it's like, oh my gosh, how are you going to even be in business when the consumers know as much about what we do as as you know as we do. Now think about even in the restaurant business. Before the internet, we didn't have transparency about what's the calorie count, what are the ingredients. And more and more that's becoming kind of a standard expectation as transparency of what are we getting into here? What is really in this stuff? How is this really made? There's a case study in the book about McDonald's that shows how, how th- this trend forced McDonald's into a whole new business model. Now, where we are today, so that's, that was, so we had the end of uh, secrets, we had the end of lies, and now where we are today is really the end of control where the consumers are the marketers there's increasing evidence that shows that the way consumers make decisions and buy things today there's 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 less and less impact of what we would call our traditional marketing programs our you know advertising people just don't see ads like they used to and if they see them they don't believe them and one of the sh- sort of shocking graphs I have in this book is that two-thirds of our marketing is occurring without us. And so there's increasing evidence that uh, people don't see our ads. If they see our ads, they don't believe our ads. We're watching more TV than ever, but we're doing it on Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus. We don't see ads and we're listening to music more than ever, but we're not listening to you know FM radio. We're listening to Spotify we're listening to audiobooks. Uh, we're, we're not hearing those ads. And so the challenge, the new mindset for a business today is how do we get into that conversation? Now let me give you a very simple example of how this works from the restaurant business. You know, way, way back when we could actually go to restaurants, you know, and not be afraid of touching a salt shaker or something, (laughs) this was, you know, maybe it was about maybe a year and a half or so ago. I was in a barbecue restaurant in, uh, in Virginia and it was a, wasn't a very big restaurant, but right in the middle of this restaurant was a 15 foot fiberglass pig in a tie dye t-shirt and the name of this restaurant was a barbecue place. It was like the tie dyed pig. So I asked the owner, what's what's the deal with the pig? Because this thing was taking up a lot of room in this little restaurant. He said, that is my entire marketing program. (laughs) I spent $1,500 on that fiberglass pig because everybody who comes into this restaurant, especially kids, want to take a picture with the pig. Now, you still have to have great food, reasonable prices, good service, clean restrooms. You've got to deliver the goods. But if you deliver the goods, having this visual prompt reminds people to talk about you, to take a picture of, of themselves or their children with this pig, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, and it, it it's a prompt for people to talk about your restaurant and now you're entering the conversation the, the the research shows about 10% of the population across every culture are super sharers they can't wait to talk about the latest thing they knew the latest thing they found out the new deal that they found they my wife is one of those if you, you know, if you're standing in line even socially distanced, If you're six feet away from her, she (laughs) is going to be telling you about some new thing she discovered or found in our town. They can't wait to do it. Now, our job is really to think about how do we give them something to talk about? It doesn't necessarily have to be something silly like a pig, but it has to be something that's relevant and interesting and timely. Uh... and and authentic, it has to be something that's real, that they believe in, has to be relevant to their lives, has to be interesting, so they wanna share it. And so so now marketing is about what are the stories that are fascinating about us? What are the fascinating stories that are timely to this group of people who visit us, or that group, children, or seniors? What is there something about our history? Is there something about our products? Is there something about our process? Is there something about our location? Something about this building, that that will make people talk about us. And then we have to find ways to remind people uh, uh, about this. Uh, You know, the other day I was at a restaurant in a in a in a rest in a hotel in Atlanta. It was the Palm Restaurant. And so I had this certain salad called the Gigi Salad. And uh, the manager of the restaurant came over and said, are you enjoying your salad? I said, yes. He said, do you know the story of this salad? I said, no. So he told me the story of the Gigi Salad. It was fascinating. It was something that was started in Hollywood and then it became popular and they opened up New Palm restaurants. And every time they did, people from around the world would want this Gigi Salad. And so this salad harks back to like the 1920s or something like that. And so it, you know it's cool. Now it becomes an experience, it becomes a story, and I'm telling you the story of the GG salad, right? So yeah. that's really yep. how marketing that's how marketing really works today is is to create is to cre- think about how do we create these opportunities for people to to talk about us and post about us.
0: Yeah, I love this so much of what I talk about uh, with the clients that I work with and certainly here on the show, I I always ask, what are the stories only you can tell, right? Exactly. you got to first identify them, right? That's the first step, which uh, which very few people actually take the time to do. And I hope uh, that the listeners of this show have taken me up on that challenge and have figured out what are the stories only you can tell? Because then, like you said, then you got to manufacture it and you got to find ways. Uh, and I don't mean manufacture in a bad way, but you got to huh. bake that into the pie. You've got to put the pig front and center. You've yeah. got to, you know, make sure everyone knows the story of the Gigi salad so that, you know, they can tell the story when the, uh,
1: when the time is right, I'll, I'll give you an, an, a, just a simple example of how of how simple this can be. Uh, I guess it was maybe two years ago. I was doing some work for Chipotle, and Chim- Chipotle is an amazing company, and they are literally changing the, the 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 restaurant supply chain in a lot of positive ways. And they're going deep, deep, deep into the supply chain to train people about you know growing and handling things in different ways. It's an amazing story. It's a wonderful company and, and the heart and soul and the DNA of that company are, are something else. But they had those health problems in 2015 and they just sort of got gun shy about marketing and telling their story. So you look around the restaurant and there are big empty walls. And then you go into the restaurant and almost everybody gets that big bag of of chips and it's in this big brown paper bag. And it's this billboard to tell a story. And they're not using it. I mean, they probably have some decoration on it, but how can we tell a story every chance we get? How How do we captivate our customers in some way that will inspire them to talk about us and post about us.
0: Because the bottom line, right? And this is where it all comes back to word of mouth. And I, you know, and I want to get to this because you talk a lot about technology uh, throughout the book, right? So you've got this quote in the book says, you know, technology is changing everything about the way we do business. Um, and that a- yet, as we move forward, the most human company wins. And and I, I like the, the paradox of that is really interesting. But the idea is that people are going to talk about you. What are they saying about you, and how can you help uh, provide them with the buzzwords, the vocabulary, the shorthand uh, with which to talk about you? How do you want yourself right. to be described? Um, who who do you want them telling about about us? Right, exactly.
1: Because um, you want to make sure you find other like minded people. Right, exactly. And it again, it, it it requires a new mindset because I think part of the reason that marketing is is broken in a lot of places today is because we we kind of have settled into this groove and we're we're comfortable with these things that we can measure like social media you know comments or likes or you know, engagement or advertising impressions and, and But some of the things that we need to be doing in this new world aren't necessarily, necessarily easily measured. And some of the things that we, we have been measuring for years um, aren't necessarily important anymore. Um, and, and so we, we're in this groove where every year we, we wanna do a little bit better on our Facebook ads or a little bit better on our SEO. And meanwhile, customers have moved dramatically away from us and their expectation of us is is, is just a lot of different, a lot different. We we have to wake up and really see what do they expect of us today, especially now, especially in this pandemic. Marketing today is really about helping and serving in a new way. Yeah, you know, I, I, there's there's a, I work with this company down in uh, in San Antonio, Kielbasa. They're a family owned. Uh, They do smoked sausages and and, and bacon. They're donating 10,000 pounds of meat to their local community every month because they're they're rolling up theirs. And that's marketing because people are gonna see that package and say this was donated, has this really nice little cartoon explanation of what they're doing. And this is a great marketing, is about building this emotion between what you do and your customer. And now is this time where the emotions are so strong and the needs are so great that we we can't we we have an opportunity to not just build emotion but to become legendary.
0: Yeah, I, I love the way you put that. It's so funny as we talk about like the this intersection and I talk about it a lot on this show because uh, I'm fascinated by it, uh, the the intersection of technology and hospitality. Uh, but people, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, said, "Oh, look at all this new technology." I said, "No, no, no, same technology. What changed was the adoption curve. That more people, you know, um, uh, you know, home delivery." you know, meal kits, grocery, you know, home delivery, all, all that was here for 20 years, 25 years. Yeah, it's just, right. you know, the adoption curve. Now, grandma went out and got her groceries delivered yeah. uh, because she was told she had to. Yeah. Um. And and what's really interesting about this is that uh, technology is making it easier to connect, easier to, uh, to, to place orders, easier um, to solve problems. But what technology can't do is figure out what those problems are. Right. Uh, because the things that our customers needed a year ago,
1: is wildly different yeah. than the things that they need now. I mean, a, 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 an example of that is early on in the pandemic, my wife and I had COVID, and we had it pretty bad, and so we were quarantined in our house for I think it was uh, sixty days. We couldn't move. We, we we you know we we couldn't you know infect anyone else, right? And I saw this coming, so I stacked up on supplies as best I could. But then where are we going to get our groceries? Where are we going to get our food? And uh, of course, we had some kind neighbors drop us off a few things, but we started subscribing to HelloFresh. Now, here we we have, you know, reasonably priced, taught us new recipes. And what we learned is that we liked it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so after we were well again and we could go to the store again, we continue to get it a couple times a week. Because it's convenient and it's something different and it's you know it's not that expensive. So imagine this. A portion of our grocery budget is going toward a service we didn't even know existed a year ago. Absolutely. It's remarkable. And our and, and our behaviors, big and small, are changing in a million different ways. I predicted last March that we would have more startups in the next six months than in any time in American history because of the fracture in the status quo. And that's exactly what happened. We had more startups than business failures. And we're gonna continue to see that. So there, there are opportunities for for innovation, but you, you, you gotta roll up your sleeves and you gotta think about what do we do? What are our core competencies? And how do we, how do we come alongside our customers right now? at this same period, I had an email from a local rancher. This is a guy that makes, you know, he has cattle. (laughs) And he he said, we know you can't enjoy steaks at at your favorite local restaurants right now. We provide these high-end, wonderful steaks. We will bring them to you. What a lifesaver, right? This is a B2B company, a cattle rancher, who's saying, we're gonna roll up our sleeves We're going to bring these things right to your door. It's funny, I think those
0: the companies that really, you know, a lot was said in, you know, certainly early on in the pandemic, about the pivot, right, the pivot You used to do this, you know, you can't do this anymore. Now you got to do that, you know, what are you pivoting to? And uh, I heard Nick Kakonas talk about this on uh, when he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And Nick's a super smart guy. He's, uh, he's one of the owners of the Alinea restaurant group out in Chicago. And he said, Listen, everybody who just shut down that, that just, you know, went to sleep, hibernated, he's like, they're gonna have a really hard time coming back when, when the world comes back to, to life because just by nature of pivoting and pivoting and pivoting by the restaurant that that stayed alive and just tried to figure out how to make it work, they learned invaluable lessons and they learned more about their customers and and who their customers were, what they needed and how they could serve them. He said, you can't you know, and now a year of this, right? If you hibernated for a year and you're going to try and come back, you don't know your customers as well as the next guy. You don't know what they need and you don't know what you're capable of. And the businesses that continue to pivot throughout that, uh, throughout that time now know all of those things really
1: intimately. Uh, uh, Absolutely. And and it's going to continue to change. I mean, in in, in many unexpected ways, Uh, a, a marketer who I, admire a lot martin lindstrom said that we're conditioning an entire generation that's going to have a uh, post-traumatic stress disorder we've just been fearful for so long and there are going to be implications for uh gathering there are going to be implications for touching uh one safety yep comfort comfort food yep uh nostalgia yeah are going to be huge huge trends just to name a few that are oppor- that are opportunities for innovation
0: yeah absolutely i think you know again this is where that that technology conversation you know i think all bets are off and there's such an opportunity to uh, to, again, to to cut expenses, drive more revenue, build uh, better relationships with our customers, uh, and be more human. So I love it because that's one of the the main ideas of the book is that the most human company wins. The the right the, and a lot over the years has been said. I uh, certainly you know modern marketing is so much about empathy, right? Really understanding you know who your who your customer is, what they need, and how you can provide them with. With what you need, but but the, let's talk about those needs, and this is where I want to bring the conversation back to those those basic human uh, truths, right? That that people don't go out to the restaurants to to eat, right? They don't go out to get fed because if you just needed yeah. to get fed, you could do that for a couple of bucks. But you go <laughs> out there for something else, uh, yeah. for belonging, for connection, uh, for respect, right? You're you're going to entertain, you know, a, a business dinner.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's an experience you'll want to talk about.
0: Yep. Right. Yep. So then, how do uh, so then how do chefs and restaurant owners hook into that? And and maybe you can uh, illuminate, explain it a little bit better than than I have. You know, how do you identify those human needs, and how do you start again baking that into the pie, so to speak?
1: Well, part of this per- the perspective of this book is that marketing and business in general can seem so overwhelming where what do we do where do we start should we be on facebook twitter should we make youtube videos should we be on snapchat now clubhouse right and what i wanted to do in this book in in one way is to is to just narrow it down and i use this example where there was an interview with with jeff bezos and he was asked uh, what's, what's the new technology you're so excited about? And he said, well, that's a good question. But the, but the more interesting question is not what's going to change, but what's not going to change. That, and that might be something to think about during this confusing pandemic era as well. He said, look, I know people want vast selection, low price, fast delivery. It's impossible for me to think that 10 years from now, people will want, you know, slower delivery. So <laughs> every if you think about every technology introduced by Amazon serves one of those three needs. So it's not you you're, it's not being overwhelmed by technology at all. It's say it's saying here are the three things we do. And everything we do has to solve one of those problems. Selection or price or delivery. And it's the same with, with restaurants. I think you could sort of narrow it down to, look, this is a crazy world and everything's changing, but what do people, it's, it's the same question you're asking, what do people really want here? What do, pe- and, and I think a fracture in the status quo that's gonna be really interesting is, is conferences. Maybe there's a similarity with restaurants here. Why do people go to conferences? It's not really to get new information. That's some of it. That might be number five on the list. But for most people, it's I want to go because I want to see my friends again. I want to go because it gets me out of the house and I get to go to Los Angeles. I want to try new restaurants. I want to go out and, and see something I've never seen before. This is my, you know, my one big business trip of the year. And I'll go to some sessions and, <laughs> you know, and I'll learn something. I think networking just hu- human connection is is a big big part that and and so now we're, if you think about those four or five big reasons and learning something is down at the bottom zoom doesn't handle it it handles the the information part but that's down at the bottom yeah so there's lots of opportunities how do we solve these other things yep that's where that's we just talked about clubhouse that's part of where clubhouse is coming in it's connection, it's networking that you don't get with Zoom. Yep. You don't get it with online conferences and events. So people can
0: eat at home, they can go to the grocery store, they can you know, order in Uber Eats or whatever, yeah. but what are the things uh, that they can't get that they gotta go to the conference for, that they gotta go to the restaurant right. for? And I think restaurant owners, I guess what you're saying is they gotta you know, really identify those things, figure out what, what things they can do really well and double down on those.
1: Double down or or, or innovate. You know, we 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 did takeout from one of our favorite restaurants last night, and we live out in in the country, so any takeout we get is probably going to be cold by the time it gets home. So that's one of the things is I, I want a meal that's hot. I want a meal that's fresh. Uh, so that's a problem. I you know I would love to have could could someone cook for us? You know it, you know maybe not inside the house, but I mean. Could you know it's a spe- it's a special event? Could I? Could someone cook? Uh, you know, make something up. I want to see someone make that fresh guacamole like they do. That's my that's one of my wife's favorite things. <laughs> how, you know, how how do I surprise her on on her birthday when we can't go anywhere? How do we create? And I had you know and look, I had to face this. <laughs> she had a milestone birthday this year, and it was I had to get pretty darn creative. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to come up with anything that that would be memorable.
0: Yeah, yeah. My my wife and I both celebrated big, big milestone birthdays in in quarantine. Uh, it was certainly uh, less than uh, less than ideal for sure. Um, you talk about how loyalty is a fallacy, and, and I love this. Uh, so a couple of months ago, I had Peter Fader on the show. Peter Fader is. Uh, professor at Wharton, uh, he wrote a book called uh, "Customer Centricity," and and he talks all about this. And he says, you know, uh, you know, going for loyalty um, is a is a losing play. Well,
1: Roddy um, agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's interesting. You guys are both talking about similar things in in totally different uh, arenas, and and he comes at it from you know really heavy mathematical background. I mean, he's MIT yeah. undergrad, grad school, PhD. I mean. Uh, really smart guy, but he's looking in terms of just from a purely quantitative perspective, which was interesting. Uh, I think uh, certainly to me and to the audience. I think, um, but but you're saying a similar
1: thing. Explain what you mean by that. Well, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that loyalty is a fallacy. I'm saying that loyalty is increasingly elusive, and I point to data that come came from Accenture and McKinsey in particular, and in the in the McKin- and, and it's, and it, by the way, this is B2B and B2C, where the, the researchers are saying we're finding it increasingly difficult to see any any modicum of loyalty with customers. They're shop around customers. They don't even care where it comes from. They have certain expectations. As long as they get those means that those needs met, it doesn't really matter. Now, in the McKinsey research, there was a clue, and they said The reason we believe loyalty is declining is because of the lack of emotion. And that is why marketing is sick because we're focused on our social media dashboard, likes and algorithms and automating and making it easy instead of rolling up our sleeves and creating those experiences that elicit emotion. If you can elicit emotion you're going to be loyal. One of my favorite recent examples, and this is an example of a lot of good things, when we had the unprecedented ice storms in Texas and the low temperatures and loss of power, my brother was caught in that in Houston. So the, a local furniture company there didn't lose heat and they opened up their store and they said, if you're cold, come into our store. They fed people. They set up a play area for children. They had 500 people a night sleeping on the mattresses in their showroom. Now, is that marketing? I think it's the best marketing you can possibly do. Because today, as I say in the book, you can't be in a community. You have to be of the community. If you're in the community, you give a donation to the food bank. If you're of the community, you feed people. If you're of the community, you're a friend. And if a friend is cold, you tell them to come to your house. If a friend is hungry, you say, come here, I'm going to feed you. And not only does that create emotion, it creates this opportunity, as I said, to, to really become legendary. Now, the people of Houston, Texas will, I predict, will never buy furniture from another store ever again in their lives. (laughs) And they will tell this story to their children and their grandchildren. And our family will always be loyal to this store, right? Yeah. So loyalty isn't a fallacy, but expecting loyalty without emotion is a fallacy. Yeah. If you expect to get loyalty because you're having coupons today, no. You're going to attract people who want cheap stuff. Or you're going to want to attract people who want free stuff and giveaways. People aren't going to be loyal to you; they're going to go to the next store that has a better happy hour or whatever. Yeah.
0: So building stronger connections, deeper connections with our patrons, right? They are, you know, we are of the community; they are part of our community. Um, I, I love this so much. I, I want to, um, I want to read a little bit from the book here. Uh, because on page 175, you talk about a manifesto for human-centered marketing, and you give 10 bullet points. And I wanna share these with the audience because um, I think it so gets to the heart of what we're talking about. And I wanna get your, um, your feedback, your comments a little bit as we go along here. Um, so number one here, uh, Mark writes, stop doing what customers hate. Get out there and discover what customers love. Do that at least. How do we figure out what people love?
1: Oh, it's easy because we know what we love. You know, we're, we're owners and we're business people, but we're consumers too. And we know the, the stuff that we hate. And if we hate it, everybody's gonna hate it. But when people really help us and serve us and connect and they're authentic in what they're doing, we love that. So it's, re- it's, 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 it's dead easy. Because we're all consumers. Yeah. So just think
0: about when uh, the experiences you've had, and unfortunately, I think they're they're few and far between. I always think of this in terms of like like email marketing, right? Like like we want people on our email list so we can sell to them. But I always ask restaurant owners, you know, why would they want to be on your list? What are they getting out of it? Right. Do they want to know that that now the reservation book is open for Mother's Day? Yeah. Maybe maybe some of them care, but but not so much. So. You know, how can you how can you provide them with value? How can you provide them with something that um, that they might want? Right. Number two, I love this one. Technology should be invisible to your customer and only used to help your company be more compassionate, receptive, fascinating, and useful. I don't know how you can expand upon that, but it's so eloquently stated. Easy.
1: Here's a I could expand upon this easily. <laughs> we had our credit card hacked and My wife has spent literally days, days, days on the phone trying to correct things. And the other day she was on the phone and she was trying to get something and she was on hold for like 20 minutes and and it got got disconnected. She was on, got disconnected again. I mean, why wouldn't they have some provision to say, look, we really respect you. We respect your time. We know you're having a hard time. And look, a credit card hack is not like some new thing that just fell out of the sky. What and you and you know it's scary to people and it's complicated to people. Why not say, "Hey, put in this code or whatever. We're going to call you back in an hour." And if and then all of a sudden you're relaxed, you can do what you need to do and you get the call back in an hour and you and you have the right exact person who can help you. It's just mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling how we're still missing that. You know, you 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 use the word word of mouth communications. Here's what word of mouth communications are: word of mouth communications uh, are a, 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 is customer service. If you have terrible c- customer service, you're going to talk about that. If you have great customer service, you're going to talk about that, that too. Yeah, absolutely. That that's an example where the technology is not invisible. Yeah. It's 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 creating a barrier between us and this and this bank.
0: Yeah, so any way we can use it to, to break down the walls and to, and to engage yeah. better. I, I love it, um, it's so brilliant. Uh, number three, you can't own customers, a buyer's journey, or a sales funnel. Claim a market space and just help people
1: belong to it. It's a huge idea. I have a whole chapter in the book about this idea of belonging. And when I finished the book, I thought, you know, that chapter could be a book. It's that important because at the end of the day, a lot of this traditional marketing advertising is going to go away and but belonging is always going to be there. I mean, again, I keep saying, especially now people are so isolated. Yeah. They're, they're grieving and they're, they're desperate to belong to something and they like to belong to companies and brands and, and, and organizations in the community so it's it's a huge it's a it's a massive opportunity
0: yeah and that leads right into the next one number four never intercept never interrupt earn the invitation i mean it goes back to that you know people you know people go with companies that they know like and trust you know earn that trust right especially in the restaurants right where they're not just paying with their money but they're paying with their time their attention and uh and ultimately with their trust right Like mean, we're we're putting things into our body. I'm trusting you enough that you haven't poisoned it, that you haven't put glass in the eggs. Yeah. You know, because I'm going to put this directly into my body. Like, like that's really sacred, and yeah, I want to really be precious is. about it. But it's a real thing. Yeah, I love that. Number five: be relevant, consistent, and superior. Build trust into everything you do. Again, there's that trust word. Mm-hmm. Number six: be fans of your fans. Make them the heroes of your story. It's it's so great, right? Stop. <laughs> Stop drinking our own Kool Aid. Get out of our own way and make it about them. You know how can we help support their lives?
1: Yeah. What would happen if we did marketing that celebrated our customers and, and we and we told their stories instead of our stories? Nobody cares about our story. Yep. You know it, it's it, you know it's our twentieth anniversary. Who? cares? <laughs> Unless you're going to frame it in terms of these are all the
0: people we've helped and served and these are the communities yeah. we've created and these are the, here, the celebrations here's, here's we've the, been a here, part
1: of. Here's the group of people that have been with us for 20 years.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I was working at a restaurant a couple years ago, and they celebrated uh, their 30th anniversary and their 35th anniversary. Uh, And for their 30th anniversary, we celebrated all the employees who had been there from the 80s. And, you know, they shared pictures from, like, New Year's 1987. And, you know, it was so awesome. And, you know, we see all these guys as... You know, as young men and young women and now, you know, can celebrate them, you know, all this longevity because this restaurant helped them build, you know, build a life for them and their families. And then on the 35th anniversary, we celebrated uh, the restaurant had been uh, reviewed more than any other restaurant in New York City. And we celebrated uh, not us and our accolades, um, but really uh, the trendsetters, the reviewers who chose to honor us and really and really their work and, and how we fit in. Um, to, to a certain time period and the other prominent restaurants that they reviewed and, 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 and what that said about the industry and, and how it, how it moved, you know, we really said, you know, we've been here all this time, but, but look at how far the industry has moved in that time. And we've been, we've been able to sit here and kind of watch it, you know, pass by us out the glass. Yeah. It was, it was cool. That's bold. Yeah. But listen. Uh, that that wasn't um that wasn't just an idea that hit me. That was that was something that I took uh took from you That's and amazing. your ideas have been really formative. Um next one number seven, transcend the public's inherent mistrust of your company through relentless honesty.
1: Transparency again, right? Absolutely. I mean we we see that trust in businesses, brands and advertising has gone down, I think is thirteen years in a row now. So uh we've gotta work harder. We've, we've got to work harder. And and part of that comes through putting people out front. People, I mean, we trust, we trust company founders. We trust experts. We trust a person like a chef. Uh, and it's just like you said, it's, a, it's the sacred bond. So um, uh, how do we get the people out front?
0: Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. One of the things that I always talk about, uh, I've been talking about it on this show, is this this idea of transactions, right? Um, you know, how we tie transactions, price, and value. And, and they're all interconnected. But, you know, something really unique about the restaurant industry is that, you know, our transactions last hours at a time sometimes. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, now I can just, you know, pick up my phone. And I can, you know, one-click ordering on Amazon. That transaction was about four seconds from when I got the idea to buy it to when I actually bought it, right? Really quick transaction. And here in a restaurant, right, it takes a long time and, and such an opportunity to to engage and to, and to shape that relationship, you know, through that transaction. It's all connected here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Number nine, you're right. Marketing is never about your why. It's about your customer's why. Yeah. Talk to me about that because a lot has been said about, you know a company's vision,
1: their mission, their 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 purpose. Right. So so talk to me about this. Oh, this is one of the things that really grates on me in the whole content marketing world. I mean, it's it, we we've, we're just too self-involved with ourselves, uh, where we think, oh, you know, it's it's about uh, it's a, we have to start with our why, and it's what's the arc of our narrative, and the truth is, people don't care. They care about their why they care about the arc of their narrative. Uh, th- that's what it's all about. Sorry. And I mean, we just get so self involved. How did this ever start? Um, where this whole thing about uh, you know storytelling and it's like storytelling has become like an industry (laughs) yeah (laughs) and 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 i think it's really it it really gets down to the customers and their stories their hopes their dreams why they're why they have an emotional connection to us
0: yeah i mean the the customer's got to be front and center they're they're literally at the middle of everything we do and if they disappear there is no business there's no profit there's no There's no whatever. So, you know, putting them where they belong, putting them where they are, especially in the service industry, right? Where we literally say, What do you want? And then we go get them what they want. Yeah. (laughs) And then we clear it away Mm -hmm. and get them the next thing they want. Uh, I'll finish up the last thing here. You write, number 10. We've covered this before, but you simply say, The most human company wins. The most human
1: company wins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and by the way I, it was really fun going going through that with you and and if anyone listening is interested it, it, it's sort of my little gift to you um, if you go to my website and 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 you can go under books and find this book and click on the book there's a page dedicated to this book you can download for free a colored hand drawn Example of this manifesto. It's got all ten points on it, and it's got this hand-drawn thing by a local artist. I'm not asking for an email. Nothing. Just download it, and you, it, it, you, everybody should post it right on their wall someplace to remember really what we're supposed to be doing here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we're going to include that link in the show notes, of course, as we always do. Uh, Mark, before I let you go, uh, let everybody know um, what else they can.
1: What else you up to? Where else they can learn? Uh, about you and, and your goings on. Well, it's been wonderful talking about the Marketing Rebellion book, and this is definitely a book that is changing businesses, changing marketing cultures. There's so many businesses that are coming, stepping forward and coming up to me and saying, we're changing our whole marketing direction based on this book. And I'm talking about even like at least one Fortune 100 company that I know of. So I I, I appreciate Your support, I support. I appreciate all the great questions you've asked and the and the thoughtfulness you've put into your questions today. I have a a new book out, literally just in the last couple weeks, called uh, Cumulative Advantage. It's it's a great companion book to Marking Rebellion, and it's about momentum. And it's sort of it's similar in Marking Rebellion in that I use research and analytics and data. But I present it in, a, in an entertaining narrative, and I weave this story that talks about how does momentum happen in our world. It sort of happens the same way for every person in every business. And I think people will not see the world the same way when they read that book. You'll start seeing it in, the, in these patterns of momentum. So that's what I've been up to lately. And um, yeah, so thanks so much, Chip. It's, it's been great. Uh, loved talking about marketing rebellion. and uh, it, you know I'm passionate about it. I really am because I, I care about businesses. I care about small businesses. I'm rolling up my sleeves and doing what I can to help our local businesses by contributing my time. And uh, that's what we all have to do right now. That's that's marketing today. Absolutely. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was a real
0: pleasure. This um, You were on my to-do list. You were on my wish list for a long time. Oh, uh, thank you. No, I really appreciate you you carving out the time. Um, uh, this is really special. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Again, we're going to leave all the uh, links in the show notes. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Chip. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, There's a ton of information, a ton of value, uh, things you can apply directly to your own business. Uh, This is one that you might want to go back and listen to again and again. Mark is so great. Uh, Again, uh, the links to his books uh, are going to be in the show notes. You can find them there. Uh, Again, I want to thank Mark for taking the time out of his day. Two quick things before I let you go. Number one, a quick reminder, uh, if you haven't done so already, please go leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, The five-star reviews just help us boost up in the rankings, which helps us grow this community. Please help me do that. Uh, And then finally, the Patreon page, patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. You can show your support at any uh, any range of uh, membership tiers, but $5 uh, will get you access to the new private podcast called The Daily Special. We are now a couple of weeks in, and it's going really, really well. I hope to see many of you guys over there. Thank you again. Stay creative, and I'll see you next time.